What's up? I'm Jeff Weiss, a writer. And I'm No Can Do, a rapper. And this is Shots Fired, a podcast about hip-hop and Arizona iced tea. Yeah, I don't really fuck with that Arizona iced tea. Too, way too much sugar in it for me. Like, like when I was young, girl, <laughs> when I was, before I was an OG, <laughs> like, I guess, uh, you know, everything was already 99 cent. Uh-huh. And so I feel like for kids, like, it's just they're like, you know, they're like, I need something that's a dollar because they always have a loose dollar, you know? And uh, that shit is, is disgusting. Are you more of a brisk Lipton fan? Nah, man. I, I don't I, really like... I'm, uh, a, I'm a Snapple guy. Uh, yes, yeah, Snapple is definitely the best. Or if you're like in the South and you can get a delicious sweet tea, that I can make an exception I don't for. fuck with sweet tea. That's just too sweet, bro, especially in the South. It's the only time I would ever have one is in the South. It's sort of like getting a mint julep. You're not about to get like a mint julep at a bar in L.A., but like if you're in Louisville. yeah. yeah. Which if I've you're if you're too. I mean I, I'm something about I'm the humidity asshole. makes a lot of a lot of things you can't fuck with more tolerable like a menthol cigarette. Yeah. I mean it's, it's, if you smoke cigarettes, right? I Do you, you know sm- you don't smoke menthols. Nah, but I'm not totally against it, but like not until you're in southern humidity or in Asia does it make <laughs> sense. <laughs> Do Asians smoke a lot like smoke menthols? I don't even understand why black people have the fucking, you know, the menthol cigarette uh, stereotype when all of Asia, like you can sell menthol anything in Asia, especially in Japan. They love menthol anything. In Japan. Have you ever had a Nat Sherman menthol? Nah, but that uh, seems like the ultimate Sherm stick. That was the uh, yeah. That was the only menthol I could ever fuck with. It was a delicious menthol. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so let's go with you. Uh, shit, man. Uh, I've been on some like super like uh art shit lately. Uh, I did it like a long Facebook. Tell shots fired listeners about your very emo Facebook post. My emo, fa- I did this emo Facebook so post. So emo. But it was just talking about how like I'm just super appreciative right now, and um, I uh, just this month I like you know uh, since D Styles is on tour with fucking uh, Dilated and J Five. And, and those are indie hip hoppers from the late '90s. From the late '90s, and then Gaslamp is in Europe. We've had this whole like they take up. Hour, that's an hour and a half worth of time missing, right? From our night. I need to get on this DJ Wednesday night. So I was just like, "Oh, dude, let me just do some sets." I did like I did like a DJ set in Europe last year just for fun, right? Mm. And this city. Did they really understand you in France? Um, <laughs> nah, it was actually in Belgium, and close enough. I was drunk and I wild out, and everybody <laughs> had fun. I wouldn't say it was good, but so, <laughs> but it was effective. It was effective, but so like this year, I decided I've been DJing there every week. I fucking uh, I've been fucking like writing essays and I've been fucking like every time I see serious dancers like a dance circle like mm-hmm. at any cl- like you know people that are like I do freestyle dance I do that like crumping I do pop locking I'd be like oh let me try something have I you just- done the shmoney dance nah cause that's not a real dance <laughs> I don't make. do I don't do fat dances <laughs> I don't do fat dances your dance moves are timeless yeah 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 I'm a more like I'm a more Chuck Taylor's Nike Cortez Timbaland kind of guy and you dance in these dance circles I've been dancing in these dance circles is this because? Well, your mom was a, is a dance teacher. My mom's so. she's a dance teacher. and She did ballet, but for years, you know. Did you ever take ballet classes? Fuck no. For years, like, can I be real? One time, like I had, like my sister took ballet. <laughs> yeah. I never took a ballet class. I, I swear, I would admit it. Yeah. But um, like the ballet teacher, like, was really giving an elaborate ruse to my mom to try to enlist her, and she's like, "Yeah, it's really fun. It's like jumping around." And I'm like six years old. I'm like, I like jumping around. That sounds tight. And like, yeah, nobody in my family. I think I think somebody somewhere up the chain. It was like, mm, I don't think he's gonna. Well, I don't think we're gonna roll him in a ballet class. I, I could imagine your dad not. Yeah, being my with dad that. nicks that. My dad wouldn't even let me go to Vassar because he's. It was a girl's school. But dude, my mom wouldn't let me. Look, check this out. There was a capoeira class 
under the ballet. Like the, it was like you know your ballet studios. There's like four or five rooms. Yeah. Like so there was like an upstairs with two rooms and there was a downstairs with a room and an office. And then on Thursdays they would have a capoeira class. Yeah. And my mom was like, "That's not a martial art. That's dance." <laughs> and I was like, "No, they're kicking each other, mom." Yeah. Like I just couldn't like there was no. My mom was like, "Ballet is like," and then. <laughs> Oh, dude, my mom's such a. Nice what if you were like Rudolf Nureyev? <laughs> you could have been like, you could have been a Barishnikov. Well, uh, who was heterosexual? Yeah, yeah, no, no, dude, there's hella. Yeah, there's hella heterosexual. Not like there's dudes anything wrong with a homosexual dance. ballet dancer, but yeah, but that would be the best way dudes. to get girls. Like if you were about like Natalie Portman's husband. Yeah, I don't. You think it's the best way to get girls? I love Natalie Portman, by the way. I like her lips, man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but fucking take I, note. But, yeah. <laughs> But I don't Whatever. like I, I don't think uh I don't think fucking uh, I mean it's not it's kind of seems a cynical way to get girls but uh I think cuz I, I feel like I don't know girls I think girls, you would get don't straight all, into the friend zone with most of the girls you get friend zone you'd be hard to get out of the friend zone that's true. Yeah. yeah. How would you um I mean yeah it'd be But uh, since my mom was a ballet dancer actually dancers on everything I swear to god they're attracted to me. Yeah, I, I yeah. yeah. Like I, I've been there's many places where especially especially like Maybe like after like I mean I several think, drinks, not, not several drinks, but you know just talking about dance shit, and I know yeah. hella, all these. Are you a good terms. dancer? No, I, I suck. But like I can, but I can't. You know, I've like, seen your cooking dance. Yeah, I can. I can. Cook. You can cook. Yeah, but uh, you know, but I, I'm just not comfortable with it. You know, but you uh, know, I'm a really good dancer inside my own head, but I'm a really terrible dancer in practice. But these, that's what I think about. I think dance, well, all art, right? Yeah, it's so subjective. Yeah. Like you know, like there's that, there's a lady named Catherine Dunham. I think her name is Catherine Dunham, uh-huh. and she was just like, "You're not supposed to be a dancer." She just ended up starting her own style of dance, uh-huh. like you know, her body size and even the way she maybe moved. yeah, you know. I, I don't six three Jewish guys are like it's like yeah, you're not no? happening for you. No, no, no. I oh, you yeah. know I tried when I was I, yeah. I'm like now I'm like yeah. yeah, but I wrote an essay. I wrote an essay just just get back on it so I can get over with my. To bullshit. get back on it, if I'm on Molly, it's a different story altogether. So yeah, you I'm, I'm sure you're just wavy, bro. Oh, I get real wavy. Just- <laughs> Every now and then, I'll bust out a move where I was like, actually, maybe if you took drugs for the next decade, you could be decent. Yeah. But, but fucking, I wrote an essay, man. I wrote wrote like a long essay about. I'm not gonna say. Well, I'll say what it's about, but it's about like just battle rap shit. And um, yeah, I fucking sent it to one of my many friends in uh, journalism, which is not you. And they decided that it <laughs> have many friends in the literary arts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, but not many. I just, but I just want to make sure, like, you know, it's not like people yeah. don't know that, like, you know, people don't think that you're, you know, hooking me up in some way. Which I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Swine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't want to want this to seem like it's like some, some, you know, backdoor deals happening. I didn't even but, know about it until you put it in your email Facebook post. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, you know, I, I wrote that, and then I got fucking published. And then from my DJ sets, I fucking got a set at the goddamn Getty Museum on the twenty third of August. That shit came through. That's tight. How did that happen? I don't fucking know. Shots fired. DJ sets happening. You'll see at the at the, Get, at the Getty Museum. It's I want be only Kevin Gates and Young Thug. Yeah, dude. Or wait, all Hellfire or all. Oh, yeah, it's be Milo and Young Thug exclusively. Exactly. Only rap- rappers who matter. Only rappers who uh, wear t- lots of tank tops. Those two guys wear yeah. tank tops. Yeah, they're both original in completely yeah. different ways. But I bet they would get along. No, they would definitely get I along. I could see those two getting along. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> well, that's awesome. Yeah, Milo, speaking of Milo, he moved out to L.A. for good. And so only only a short amount of time before he has a cocaine habit and dates a porn star. 
Yeah. Which would, which I mean, lots of porn stars do fire the Hellfire Club Twitter account. So. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> Artiness. Um, he just left the room, so I guess it's just me t- talking to you guys alone. I don't know. This is really weird. This is like that scene in Wayne's World where like Garth, <laughs> like Garth is alone. Um, yeah. So I, I saw Young Lean. You saw Young Lean. I saw Young Lean. He's like, I am from Norway. Yes, we are the swagging, swagging, <laughs> swagging, swagging. When I'm swagging, cooking. <laughs> what I realized is that Young Lean and Chief Keef are very like have the same fan base, which is weird. I realized that two weekends ago because I asked my little cousin who's sixteen in high school. Mm-hmm. She was a pally. I was like, "What are you guys into?" And her first two things were like Young Lean and Chief Keef. And I think we're at this really. I, I think your your cousin is where the, the 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 fan base part in the Venn diagram because there are. Some scary. I'm not talking about Chicago. In I'm the hood, outside of Chicago. But even in LA, like you know, my of friend course. Marcel loves Chief Keith. This like yeah. the hood loves Chief Keith. No, it's true. And they would probably not they, like Young Lean. Yeah. No, I'm talking about the only white people. I don't think okay. Young. I, but there were some black Young Lean fans. There was. They were a surprising amount. I mean, like there were like as many not like. Uh, like at an Anacon show in like '98, but like an Aesop Rock show in like 2004. So it was like I was probably at that show. That yeah, you're speaking that's what I'm of. saying. Like, but what I can say is that the ones that are they, like me and my friends were from South Central at an Aesop Rock show. They yeah. just fit into underground hip hop as we knew it. Well, he was just a good rapper. Yeah, like, you know what I mean. He's just if you like good, good rap, you would have been there. But with Young Lean, like I'm pretty sure there was not a black kid from south of the no. ten, and in as far East is La Cienega. I couldn't. I mean, there's probably one or two, but yeah, fuck well, that dude. I think like yeah. Um, it was. I, I was really conflicted because first of all, it was probably the one of the livest hip hop shows I've ever seen a crowd get in like recent memory. Yeah, which was really strange because I mean, it was at Los Lobos. There's literally sweat dripping down the seat from the ceiling. Uh, it was the hottest place I've ever been. Like you walk in, you start upstairs or downstairs? Downstairs. Lobos. Okay. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really depressing because upstairs is V View uh, Farka Toure, who's I like I don't know who the fuck. One that of the most is. amazing African guitarists you'll ever see, and like. But what, why would you think an amazing African guitarist without sell a fucking Young, young Lean? I know. <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> trying to hear fucking no kids. I was. I went upstairs for a little bit, and then I yeah. went back downstairs, and it was like only classy people like you. Yeah, classy gentlemen, as such as myself. Uh, he it was it was weird. Because he he's, shouldn't be really a rapper because he doesn't have talent at all. Um, but that doesn't stop anyone. That's that's the amazing thing about two thousand like two thousand fourteen is you don't really actually need musical talent anymore um, to be a professional rapper. His voice couldn't cut through. Yeah, he was energetic, which I give him credit for. He was like confident. He was energetic. Yeah, but it was pretty much just a eighteen year old Swedish kid jumping up and down and everyone screaming the lyrics with him. But he his voice wasn't good enough to like cut mm. through, and the backing track was too loud. And yeah, yeah. but it doesn't really matter anything anymore. No, these days it, 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 it doesn't that matter. doesn't matter at all. It's like it's because a rapper is a painting. It's like look. It's there's, all there's about, this yeah. they, this painting is on display it's in my city. It doesn't matter that he's like a terrible artist. It's like everything but the artist. It's the aesthetic, it's the it's the well, videos. It's, it's, it's the art of the image. The, the Twitter, the, the Facebook, you know, the, the YouTube, yeah. the, you know, it, it's like it, everything. It's the stardom, not the actual like I, you yeah. know. It was it was kind of sad, honestly. Like I, I get why people like it. Like it wasn't an energetic show. Like you know, if you're 16 years old and like you don't know any better and like whatever. I don't know. I kept on thinking what what I would think if I was 16. But that that was like what kept on going to my head. Would you like? Because I wouldn't have like the- you would be like the homie brought me here. This is what we listen into the car when we smoke our bad weed. Like you you gotta go back to being. 16. I think 16 year olds probably get good weed now. 
they probably still get bad weed <laughs> because you have to be 18 to have the card. So yeah, it's better than the weed that we weed. had, but it's still bad yeah. in the weed scale. I was getting pretty good weed when I was 16. Really? Yeah. I was smoking some shit. Yeah. I was smoking bullshit. I bought from this one dude that worked at Mulberry's Pizza, and he would sell me the weed in these Parmesan containers. Oh, nice. <laughs> it was really... And, and like the Parmesan pizza containers, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was his like. We would brand- smoke out of some. That was his janky- little branding tool. We would smoke out of some janky ass things. I smoked out of tin foil. Yeah, tin foil, apples, all that. I mean, apples was like classy. Yeah, first time I ever got hot was out of a two liter soda bottle. Oh shit, that's disgusting. So disgusting. Well, that's like the gravity bong shit. It was nasty. Yeah, I don't know. Like young lean, and like I get it. Like you know, like but I I think we're at this point now where like irony has blurred with like sincerity, and nobody knows what is sincere and what's ironic and mm-hmm. nobody knows if they're liking it ironically or sincerely and it felt very numb and but joyous. that it doesn't matter either. but it doesn't matter like mm-hmm. it, it kind of made me frustrated i mean but i guess i shouldn't be because there are artists like you know de facto you're gonna be like kendrick lamar but there are artists that are like you know can make good music and yeah, yeah. be popular and you know shout out to vince stables and scheme who are on tour right now that yeah texting the homie like those are two dudes let's be honest they i think vince can probably pack that shit out too but no, I don't. No, no, I really don't think anybody could no get could pack a crowd it out like quite like Young Lean. I swear yeah. to God, like, on a, like it was crazy. There were, you know, it's all Tumblr, yeah, like hundreds and there were like four hundred kids in there. It was the, like they, yeah. I think it was so sold out they didn't even take my ticket. I just like walked right in. Really, yeah. they just, just come in, just walked. I was like, whatever. Like I was like, Ugh. I walked to the door and they're like, Who are you here for? Via Farke Toure or Young Lean? I was like, uh, guess Young Lean. I was like, I don't know if I'm enough of a sad boy. Mm. Um, it's just like a pose, and I guess like that's what really people are attracted to is sort of the pose and the aesthetic and like the whole like you buy into a you buy into like a character. Yeah. You know, at this point, you're not buying into necessarily like mm-hmm. you know, and and who's to say that it should be so binary? You know, there are. Look, it just man. makes me sad. Like I'm just like, just not good. Good for him, I guess, for like getting out of Sweden and his eighty thousand dollars so a year, probably socialist utopia that he lives in. Uh, I met recently. I met like this is a part of my. I assume everyone in, in Sweden makes eighty thousand dollars a year. By the way, you, you assume that? I just assume everyone makes eighty thousand a year without at least, care. at least, mm-hmm. and gets a bottle of free vodka with it. Yeah, and I, I definitely, I definitely think Sweden is as close to utopia as you can get. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so at, and just to bring it back to my normal uh, subject matter is, you know, there's a, a good amount of like, you know, beautiful uh, Swedish women and, you know, they have a, a body type that I'm into in Sweden. But then they're also there's also a lot of black women there, too. Really? Oh, fuck. Yeah. I don't know why, but there's a lot. And, uh, you know, I feel like yeah, Sweden is is I think we should all move to Sweden. I bet you there's less shots fired tour of Sweden. I bet Coming you there's less young lean in Sweden than I don't think he's popular in young in Sweden. I think he's only because popular they can in America. see through the bullshit. Probably they're you like, know? oh, that's like my friend Thor. <laughs> like did that the other day? Or no, they'd be like, oh, this guy, this is guy doing this really bad rap. Like in Sweden, I bet you, like right now, they're just like. I bet you they're really into, like, you know, fucking guys that are rapping their ass Well, it's also really weird, too, because it's, like, he also doesn't have much talent, and, like, he's just mimicking, like, the things that he sees in America, and Mm -hmm. it's just, like, getting parroted back at you, and, like, things like lean. You can't even get lean in in Sweden. It's, like, outlawed. get it so easy. It's outlawed. Like, you can't buy the ingredients to get, like, there's no promethazine, I think, in the cough syrup there. Really? Yeah. You you, can't actually get it. You can get anything anywhere, Jeff. (laughs) If you're young lean. 
No, if um, you're anybody, the streets, the streets are fucking limitless yeah. everywhere. A young lean to some bullshit. It's depressing, but you know what? Like, it's fine. It's the world that we live in, and it's okay because it's not. It's not, It's fine. You can't really get mad because it's. It's not if that, then not this. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like there is room for a young lean and a Kendrick or a Chance or whoever. And it I just matter. don't say young lean and Kendrick and Chance in the same. No, thing. exactly. Right. And, that, and that's kind of, I guess, what like, this is. This is young lean is coonery. Yeah, <laughs> probably right. It's, I mean, you know, and I mean, what I, else? What else? What else is it? If it's just like it's not a, art. a joke, I mean, but it is art. If you say it's not art, then it becomes art. Yeah, because yeah, I don't. It's up for I don't debate. know if it's self-aware. It's sixteen. You're not. You're not like. I uh, here's the thing. Base God did it first. Base God did it better. And like Base God, Leung Lin could not exist without Base God. And like it's so derivative. And ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what I, that's what I take the greatest offense to. Isn't necessarily that it's a white Swedish rapper because I don't give a fuck about that. Yeah, the race out of it. it we're, yeah, it's just that he's so derivative. He has no original ideas, and yeah. it's just like. Come on. Well, here's a, like, Base God, there's an argument that Base God might have lost his shit a long time ago is what people say. Lost his mind? Yeah. Well, of course. And so, if anybody is like, I mean, Base God, that's a whole what is sanity but, aspect. But, so, basically, if Base God really did lose his shit and he was slightly insane or whatever the fuck people are saying about him. Quirky. Yeah, quirky. It was genuine. Oh, uh, yeah. It, that That is the thing about Little P. He was like, and I think a lot of people, and Riff Raff. Mm. To a certain extent, like, but I think Riff Raff is doing a different thing. Totally Riff, different thing. It, a totally different. Riff Raff thing. is like actually when you break it down, is actually a traditional rapper from the Texas model. Like, yeah, you, you know what I mean. As I've always said, he's Paul Wall with a better sense of humor. Yeah, d- definitely. You know, and but, um, but this when it's, yeah, it's it's not even cool. Fuck it. I think we got. Should we go into our podcast? Yeah, man. We got Sage Francis on. Yeah, we're bad. we're fucking being all backpacking judgy right now, bro. <laughs> I know, right? Like, yeah, uh, yeah. but it's cool because mm. we're we're not backpackers anymore. By the way, I wanted to say this. <laughs> I know. Were you? I was never really bad. Did you ever have a backpack like that? I mean, I always had a backpack. Yeah, but not I like didn't have a car. not for this. Not not for the uh, not for yeah. the signifiers. Nah, I, just, <laughs> I was just always. But just I, like I guess we were we were backpackers. Me and my homies were backpackers. We didn't really like assign like we weren't into fucking underground hip hop dot com or fucking super okay player it out or is that is that the backpack? I guess you know. World? Here's the ultimate the point I think of this episode is that like we like that shit was all dumb and like everyone was kind of like annoying and stupid at one point and like but like that doesn't necessarily diminish the fact that a lot of great music was made. You know, like, in a lot of, like, with someone like Sage, I think Sage made a lot of great music and, and continues to make good music. And and like, he he really meant it, though. Yeah, it was very sincere. And, like, whether you liked it, whether you did not, like, you know, I think a lot of people had judgment about, you know, and it's maybe some, some of the things we're talking about right now. It's, like, a lot of people didn't like the fact that it was, like, a white rapper mm. doing something. And they're like, oh, you're from Rhode Island. You know, you, you have to be from a certain place or you have to be down with a certain thing. Or, and it was probably all bullshit. And it's kind of cool that we're at a place now, I think, with rap where you can like everything and it doesn't necessarily... Well, the shit that I like you know, about Sage, man, is that, um, if I can say it, like, yeah, no matter what, somebody's going to have something to say about, like, with fucking East Coast fucking DJing when they said Joe Cooley's fucking Jerry Curl in khaki totally. suit is fucking some clown shit. If you're, if you're good at what you're fucking doing, if you're fucking very proficient, and then you have the balls, like, he was a fucking, he made himself known, like, battle rapping, you know? Yeah. And even, like, we had... He's an incredible freestyle rapper. Ex- exactly. But freestyle and battle. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you know, spoken word. He was really good at that. Like, like those dudes were fucking... Cra- they were, like, a part of a crafts, you know? Mm-hmm. That shit is tight. That shit is well, dope. here's the other thing, too, um, which I find really funny is... Uh, Dewan Parker... Well, I don't find it funny, but I find it interesting, is that we have Dewan Parker... Um, shouldn't ruin it, but he'll come on a later date, and he's from, actually... Uh, Boston. Uh, Oh, he's from no, he's from uh, Providence. 
and he grew up in Providence and he shouts out Sage because Sage was like a big influence on him and you know Dewan was you know producing with Dre and I guess that's the point is that like you know it's funny because I I made like a joke the other day I was like someone you hate is going to end up influencing someone you like so you might as well hate everyone and uh, but like probably Young Lean will probably influence some kid now that will probably be really good and do something better and it's a well if you do some whack shit you you hate you you influence somebody that's like that can never happen again. Yeah. That error will, as long as I'm alive, that error will yeah. never exist, you know? Like, I'm pretty sure fucking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Anyways, this is Shots Fired, a very com- complicated and conflicted podcast. <laughs> we don't know what we're talking about. I'm going to go sob now for the next six hours. Bow, bow. All right. I was going to say, yeah, living in Providence, I'm sure, like, everyone's a diehard, uh, Red Sox. And yeah, Patriots we got yeah, yeah, we got the Red Sox and the Patriots and the Celtics and the yeah. Bruins and like people are so adamant about these topics yeah. that oh, like I've never seen anything. Uh, the only city I think they can compete is maybe Philly. How crazy it is, but they're haters. <laughs> they're more haters than in Boston or in uh, New England. Providence. Is a, I only went there once, but it's it's a great city. Yeah, it's cool. It's got a little bit of everything, except for big buildings. Oh well, yeah, they have a. Like one they have a limit, paper. right? You can't have anything bigger than a certain height, or am I making that up? Is that a different? I don't setting? think so. All I, the roofs got to be red or something. Well, that's no. like no. Celtics No, we have uh, actually where I live. This parts where because we have houses from the 1700s, and yeah. you have to like maintain the uh, structural integrity of the building techniques they used back then and the materials they used back then. So you can't like upgrade shit and with modern materials. Yeah. That's interesting. When, was, was that was that a Roger Williams? Did he build? No, Robins? Roger Williams was... Fuck. Who is this Roger Williams fellow? He was fellow. actually one of the... He was a G. He was like one of the first... He like... He wouldn't... They were built against the English like right off the bat. Yeah. And they like created yeah. their own thing. And they became friends with the Native Americans. Mm-hmm. And like yeah, tried he, to like create religious freedom for everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because the Puritans were like really us. Yeah, and he was just like went to the he like fucked off the he's like fuck this I'm out <laughs> and just like yeah. founded yeah New Hampshire. That's nice. Or Rhode Island, excuse Rhode me, Island. Rhode Island. I like guys that do that. <laughs> yeah, New Hampshire. It's cool. New Hampshire is a different ball game altogether. Yeah, it's a live free or die is a pretty cool license plate though. That's yeah. New Hampshire. It is live free or die. Yeah. You, New Hampshire tends to get its like share of like recluses of like JD Salinger like went up there because it's like mountainy and like kind of like. Yeah. It's kind of a weird, you know, Rhode Island seems to, obviously, well, Brown is in Providence, right? So it's mm-hmm. kind of, uh, were you raised there? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Your, I think bio page says you were born in Miami. Yeah. When did, so when did you go to? My, well, my, I don't know why my mom was in Miami. Mm-hmm. She was working as a maid at a hotel. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. When I was born there, and then after a couple months, I think she decided, ah, we can't, <laughs> we can't be in Miami anymore. No one wants to live in Miami. Yeah. You vacation there? Yeah. yeah. Unless you really like pastels. Her that part of her life is such a like I don't know shit about it because like she was with my dad who I didn't really ever know, so I like never got full detail, and I don't press it because it's like if she wanted me to know, she would have told me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So how did you uh, first get into? What was there? A, I think I read somewhere like Michael Jackson was the first thing that kind of thriller kind of got you into music or before well, that. Well, the first. Nah, I mean the first. The first tape I ever received was um, Lou Reed "Walk on oh, the yeah. Wild Side." My dad, my stepdad, would always play 
classical radio, classical rock, classic rock radio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that I gravitated toward. He found, he saw that I really liked that song, so he bought me that tape. The next tape that I got was Thriller. Mm. And that obviously Michael Jackson ruled the world at that time. Yeah, it was the yeah. first record Everything I ever was Michael heard. Jackson. No, Thriller was a like that's when and the first time I I I can see an artist transforming himself to be bigger than every other artist ever. You know what I'm saying? Like the idea of like you know, going from little Michael Jackson to I am, and it broke barriers too because he was like the first black artist that got regularly played on MTV. I think in daytime rotation. Really? What's weird yeah. is he had to like, he couldn't just be a black artist. He had to be a, more than anything he's like, like a yeah. superhero. He was beyond yeah. race. Like, yeah. okay, we'll play because he's not really black. He's Michael Jackson. You know, like exactly. that's the kind of mentality people had to have in order to play Michael Jackson on MTV totally. yeah. on white radio. Yeah. It's like. Oh, he's the he's the exception, but yeah, it's it's funny because back then I really think wasn't there a scene in Do the Right Thing where they were making qualifications as like this dude was racist, yeah. but he likes Eddie Murphy yeah. or no Richard Pryor or whatever yeah, yeah. it was, but he was like Prince. Yeah, they don't count. They're not really black. Yeah, yeah. you know, damn, it's like the racial draft basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you like them enough, you you take them into uh, yeah yeah your category, I guess. I don't know. That's that that's that's great. That's great. I'm uh, I just want to start talking about freestyle stuff. So like, <laughs> yeah, when did you start? You well, keep asking all these I'm nice asking, questions, I'm, and I just want to be like, oh man, that time when you wore the wig and then did that thing. <laughs> I just want to ask about that shit, but I'll wait till later. All right. Um. So what did, was there a first like hip hop cassette? That yeah, you the first hip hop cassette was Raising Hell. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Run DMC. My mm-hmm. mom bought me that. I think it was an Easter gift or something. And I had a boom box, which I... That's a great raising hell on Easter. Yeah. (laughs) That's ironic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, uh... And I think maybe she didn't realize that at the time, but a couple years later, she definitely did. And she was like, what have I... You know, what have I done? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, And then she bought me the Beastie Boys tape after that. Because she was like, listen to some white people sometimes. Well, so, literally said that like like she was concerned because all I listened to was hip hop obviously yeah. it was all black artists and yeah. then we come from a lily white town I come from rural Rhode Island I, it's not even a suburb I come from there's no neighborhood I have one other house next to mine and it's it's woods wow so um, and it was very bizarre for them because my not only were my parents they weren't terribly cultured like my mom my mom would hate to hear me say that but we didn't talk about music. We didn't talk about politics. We didn't talk about art. It just was regular, tight. yeah, white that's bread am- stuff. That's amazing. <clears throat> so when I was getting into all of this, it was all mine. It's not something they could mm-hmm. school me on. It's not something they could mm-hmm. steer me in different directions. Yeah. It just was like it had to be hip hop all the time. I don't care about anything else. Yeah. To them, that became worrisome. Um, <laughs> For several reasons. Well, it was pretty out, you know, like hip hop wasn't like hip. I think like a lot of prior listeners are like, you know, early 20s. It's like hip hop then was not like how hip hop is now, where it was like actually a subculture. You had to kind of dig and find it. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was counterculture even. Yeah. Not even subculture, totally. but it was like fighting against normal, yeah. like what people considered normal. Yeah. That's what I loved about yeah. it. That's why Public Enemy resonated just yeah. so strongly. It's just. When I when I and too short, you know, and two life crew, yeah. and Ice T, and every 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 tape I could get my hands on, you couldn't even. There wasn't hip hop sections, yeah. and so how did you find these hip hop records? I, was it just alphabetical, like in the whole yeah, store? Yes, there was. It was what the fuck. There was no sections. There was like you go to the store, the tape store, 
and you the, look at album the, covers. The tape store? Yeah. It was all tapes. Wow. There weren't even CDs yet. Did so. you not have tapes starting to grow up? I well, how old are tapes. you? How old are you? I mean, I'm 30, but... I only well, had... Cause I'm th- only two years older. I only had cassette tapes. Really? For the fr- Until I was like... 13, 14, yeah. I had a fucking Bart Simpson cassette, like a Simpson <laughs> well, Singles cassette. A, the rap, it was and like, then after that, it was CDs. They didn't. Well, a lot of the rap, they would impress them as CDs. They were only available as cassette tapes because they were che- they were cheaper and there probably was like some racial element involved. Uh, I didn't like, mess with CDs until like two thousand. Really? Yeah. Like was I was just vinyl or tapes. It was, yeah, vinyl or tape because yeah. tapes everything was on a blank tape. I had all my beats on blank tapes. I recorded yeah. my radio shows on blank tapes. Yeah. yeah. And. They would go in the car. You don't have to worry about them getting scratched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I didn't mess with CDs until 2000, 2001. Well, also, car. It was kind of nice because you'd have a car with a cassette tape. I mean, I was, like, listening in, like, when I was in That was the shit. Yeah. I, I had, like, I, a purple tape, and I was, like, yeah, probably yeah. in my car for, like, a year. <laughs> I had a pair, purple tape and a Grateful Dead tape. Nice. Those I would just switch between the two of them. But it was kind of, yeah. That's why you're weird. <laughs> yeah. You know what's so fun? <laughs> the fun, about, fun part about tapes is that, like, I feel like that's the last time albums really mattered other than like since good kid matt city <laughs> like you know it's like you know there's not so much skipping around and picking well if you songs. listen to good kid matt city it's you can hear the cassette tape it's like yeah. in his mom's car like it so feels like a cassette yeah. yeah and you so cassettes you're kind of forced to listen because nobody wants to like rewind and get it wrong and then rewind it back and you know do that yeah so you're kind of forced to listen to even the songs that aren't the singles i remember when i was a kid I went to go live with my grandfather. Or I went to visit with my grandfather for like a summer, and uh, he had uh, there was like my 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 nemesis slash best friend. It was like my grandfather's girlfriend's son, who was like my same age but like uh-huh. off a month, and he was like. He was just like privileged and just jiggy as fuck, you know. He's only into Big Willie style. Yeah, no, he, he really loved Big Willie style. <laughs> he was heralding he had, the ad, the coming of the millennium. He had all the he had all <laughs> the, all the co- colored fubu still things. here, <laughs> but because of CDs, I know that he was able to play the same song over and over. Uh, like you had the May CD, and he's just like, this, "This is my favorite song." I'm like, "It's this whole yeah, like, fucking I album." I want to hear "Feel So Good." <laughs> yeah, no, we hear this on the radio. Little did he know, "24 Hours to Live" was the real gem. Exactly. <laughs> okay, let's talk about something important now. Yeah. Okay, so tapes are important. Yeah. I just made a tape. Yeah, my new album's on tape. That's cool. I heard yeah. you played Coachella off of a tape. No, I was this. I had a, a CD Walkman. Oh, CD Walkman. Yeah, I. It was one of those. You know, you carry it, little thing. Looks mm-hmm. like a little spaceship, and yeah. uh, that was 2004. I had just flown in from Australia, mm-hmm. and I had no idea how. I didn't know that Coachella was a big deal. Like. Yeah. I just at that point I just was like going wherever I could and they invited me there I um MIA was on right before me mm-hmm. I didn't really know much about her at the time and didn't really think much of her afterward but I got on stage mm-hmm. and I was like all right let's do this and like mm. beep <laughs> like every time I skipped a track it had a loud beep sound in the yeah. speakers and 10,000 people in front of me how and did they like that they thought it was the funniest shit like they thought it was purposeful like they thought it was ironically probably thought it was me just being ironic yeah, yeah, yeah. like hey who cares but like honestly that was just how i was doing all of my shows and yeah, i didn't yeah. like if i knew it was it's probably best i didn't know like just going <laughs> into it just totally blind to the fact yeah, that yeah. i probably should have had a bigger production for coachella but they invited me back the next year and nice. uh, so it all worked out cool. so nice. you're you know you're growing up in yeah, like outside of providence and like uh not to make a movie reference or anything accidentally um, it's not a bad movie, um, but most people probably don't know Outside of Providence. Yeah, it's the Farrelly Brothers' first movie. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm not into movies. I like. Did you never see Dumb and Dumber, one of the greatest movie ever made? That um, starts in pro- you saw Dumb and Dumber, don't. I, I mean, what? I, Get out of here! I think I might have saw it. I'm not sure. <laughs> Who this man? <laughs> it's required watching. Something about Mary. Did you see that one? Yeah, Kingpin. Saw, Kingpin saw, is the greatest movie I ever made. I saw something about Mary. I know I didn't see Kingpin. You didn't see Kingpin? Jesus and Christ! I may have saw Dumb and Dumber. You, you I might have saw fit- it, but my fucking brain. I don't remember movies. That was the dude. first big Jim Carrey movie. That's like his first like yeah. huge comedy. Yeah. Before he started doing like really depressing, sad, yeah. serious drama. Plus Truman Show. It, Why does know, he do so. that? Why did he do that? I kind of like it. I like that he he's did a great that. actor. But I like yeah. I like that it happened with a movie where you thought it was going to be a comedy. He did it with Cable Guy. Cable or, Guy. Oh, Cable Guy, which is actually a great movie. I yeah, think, I, I mean it's part comedy, but then it has this sick dark twist, and you're like, ooh, like, this is what, what was the dark <laughs> twist? Because see, I forget movies all the time. So what was the dark twist in Cable Guy? It wasn't funny after a while. He just was a He's fucking so stalker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And like, li- like the yeah. guy, like Ma- Matthew Broderick was the the yeah. the main actor, and Jim Carrey was stalking this dude's life and like fucking yeah. with his life. And it just was. It, it it was a it was a it was a film technique. It wasn't like. Yeah, it was Judd Apatow's actually like first big movie. Oh, really? He wrote it and Ben Stiller directed it, it, and it was a like they paid Jim Carrey like twenty million dollars yeah, or something it, for it. And it got panned. It, it was got, like yeah, because yeah, it wasn't what people were expecting. Yeah, they were expecting like the mask part too. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, but then it went on. He went on to do like some pretty interesting stuff. I think he was just show, showing his range. I, I mean, I relate. Like, I I'm glad like he didn't just do silly comedies his whole career. He went off and did a bunch of other types of shit. Showed his range as an actor. Yeah. Well, Man on the Moon. You're I know you're a big well, Andy. Yeah, Hoffman right. Too. Yeah, I know he, he smashed it. Yeah. And the thing with him is like. He is all comedians. I think are depressed people. Yeah. You know, that's they they the comedy comes out of that mm-hmm. <laughs> for the most part. I mean, or at least hateful. Like, I mean, if yeah. you hate things, you're you can either like f- like rage and scream, or you can kind of make mock it. Kind of just... every comedian that I know, except for one or two, they're 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 depressed. Well, we had like they're... this. DC, <laughs> D, we had DC Pearson, uh, who's hilarious, and Mike Eagle, who's hilarious, and obviously a rapper too. And it, like literally, the conversation just devolves into the most depressing. Yeah, it's like the room <laughs> felt murky and, and dirty after we did that. Also, and uh, since I've been in Japan more times than I I want to count, uh, I found so out sorry. that all the all the comedians come from the worst neighbor. All of them, really, all come from the worst neighborhood in, in Japan. Japan. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's like there's not one comedian that doesn't come from this little shitty place. There. Huh. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the Boston of Japan. Basically, <laughs> it's like that. It's the South of yeah. Japan. Um, so, so you're coming up. You're, you're what? What are the? Uh, so how did you start kind of rapping? Were there other kids that were rapping, or, or no one? No, I. Man, this is crazy. Cause last night, this kid John, who was the first kid I ever rapped with. Mm was at the show first mm-hmm. time and I didn't even see him I just like <clears throat> I hadn't seen him since high school graduation so it's been literally 20 years since I've seen this dude but mm-hmm. when we were kids we hung out we played baseball together and stuff and I kind of forced my friends to listen to rap yeah, yeah. and then like I'd write raps and be like now you gotta write a line you know like <laughs> so then we would record stuff together and he was dope like he rapped like LL Cool J he had this like he yeah. just like really took to it but he didn't care about hip hop so like yeah. it was just stupid for to him but to me it was everything so we would write these raps about kids in our class we'd write diss songs about yeah. like I still have the recordings, actually. Yeah. They're, I probably will release them and shouldn't, but they'll, they'll probably Judy come out. Judy has a big booty and bad breath. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. So he, we would just do that, and I record on my uh, my boombox had like, you know, the record function. I play the beat out of something yeah. else, and 
um, just made tapes like that. That's how we did it. But my friends, for the most part, like I dragged one of my friends to the Run DMC concert with me in 1987. Again, Did you really have to drag a kid did, to a Run DMC concert? In like no, no. Honestly, like it was a heavy metal town, Mm-mm. rock and roll or heavy metal. Hip hop mm-hmm. was just like just so beyond what anyone knew about or cared about. Mm-hmm. And my mom knew I loved uh, Run DMC, and that's the show where I I was introduced to Public Enemy. So, mm-hmm. and DJ Chazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince played, EPMD what? played it, LL Cool J made like a guest appearance. Um, it, I can't say it was an amazing concert, but Public Enemy slayed. It was just like the military, just hardcore, like dudes on stage with guns and like they're in cages and you're just like Terminator X suspended from the fucking ceiling in That's a box. Idea. You know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. it just blew my mind. And I like, I, it was Public Enemy all day, all night from there on out for a, for a few years. Yeah. They just owned hip hop as far as I was concerned. Yeah. They just like were the pinnacle of everything that I could expect from this genre. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, my friends, you know, they, I don't know. I, I think they, they, they were like entertained me mm. by tolerating it. But really, they just wanted to listen to Def Leppard and Bon Jovi. And that was it. What about Slayer? Was there any crossover? Because No, nah, Slayer, not till later. I, I think yeah. really, um, nah, I don't remember any. I, I In college, yes. But in, in high school, in junior high, nah, Slayer wasn't a big thing where I lived. So were you doing Slam at this point or no? No, I didn't get introduced to spoken word until I was in college. Mm-hmm. And then um, it was a really small town. Again, I, I went to uh, Dean College in Franklin, Massachusetts. Not a very busy area. So every time something happened at the college, we'd attend it because mm-hmm. there's nothing else to do. Yeah. So this woman by the name of Patricia Smith from Boston, she actually, I think she wrote for the Boston Globe, but she was um, she had a couple books out. She did a spoken word performance to a whole, like, cafeteria of kids mm-hmm. of college kids and uh killed it like just uh like i was i was so inspired by this performance like her ability to draw you in mm-hmm. with nothing but her words yeah the craft like i was just was, i was just amazed by everything about it and i told her like i waited in line and when it was finished i i spoke to her briefly and i was like i bought her books at her sign them and i i said please i just want you to know you really inspired me tonight and i definitely i mean expect to see me somewhere down the line because we're going to be doing stuff together yeah um and then you winked at her and then she got the warm and fuzzies yeah no two years later (laughs) we were on the same plane going to austin uh this was in 98 we're flying to austin for the national poetry slam i had been like i had already pursued it i got went on the providence team this was the first time i ever flew anywhere for anything and she was on the plane i was like reminding her of what how that all played out so that was that was cool that was like a, a good like self-fulfilled prophecy yeah. I think yeah. but that's how I got introduced the whole slam thing I didn't really care about that as much just the, the spoken word aspect or to have to be able to deliver your words without the need for music because what what was important for me in regard to that is I didn't have producers making me beats mm-hmm. it wasn't as easy to get beats back then like yeah. right now anyone has a music ma- making programs yeah, beat yeah. making programs on a computer we didn't have that unless you had a SP I think a record collection you would have like a $20,000 worth of records it's, you know yeah so ridiculous yeah. Um, 
nah, not too many people were interested in making this weird white kid from Rhode Island beats. So I was like, all right, well, I got verses. So I'm just going to get up in front of the mic and do them. And that's what it, that's that's how I did the spoken word thing. And then someone introduced me to the slam, which is competitive poetry, so you get judged. But it was not supposed to be taken seriously. You just pick random people in the crowd to judge you and then maybe you win $20 at the end of the night. Were there a lot of uh, writer like poets that were in, you know inspiring you at the time that you were reading? Um yeah, I mean every, honestly yeah. a lot of the people who were involved in the scene back then were inspiring to me because they were I liked the break from hip hop at that point because mm-hmm. as I said as a kid growing up it was all hip hop all the time. I didn't want anything else. Mm-hmm. And then at that point I, had, I think I just had been inundated with so much hip-hop and just hip-hop all the time. When I heard stuff that wasn't hip-hop, my brain exploded in a way where I was like, whoa, Like, there's a way to talk about this kind of stuff in that kind of way, too. Mm-hmm. So then I delved into that, and I was very... I compartmentalized my life at that point. It was all spoken word with its own type of material, and hip-hop was its own type of material. Because the hip-hop stuff, I was still just mainly doing battle rap type stuff. Who were um, you battling but, at this time? Like, was there a circuit? Well, or was well you like writing, type of writing yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. The yeah. kind of songs. I'm the illest MC, yeah, and totally. I'll hit you with the yeah. chair. But also, you know. the, the battles were happening, but there wasn't anyone you'd know. We did local battles. The Providence scene... Which no one knows. It'll probably be wiped from like history. They should do like a CD, like a Nuggets compilation. There's gonna be so many of those in like ten years. Like someone's gonna dig up like the twelve best songs from like it's yeah. random. It's gonna be awesome. I get, well, I don't know if we had too many great recorded tracks, but the performances, the the shows I was at, it killed it. It was just yeah. so good. The the talent pool in in Rhode Island was sick. And uh, I was like 12, 13 years old. I'd be going to these battles, or they weren't even at that point weren't battles yet. They were just open mic yeah. talent show type things mm-hmm. um, and then in 97 98 there were the battles and we were doing the freestyle battles over beats so were you getting like you know obviously this is kind of the height of the underground kind of yeah. start starting to take off were you alienated from from what was considered mainstream hip hop at the time or were you listening to mainstream hip hop at the time or did mm, even I think in 96 I, there was a very clear break for me mm-hmm. as far as like up until 94, 95, I liked all hip-hop. Mm-hmm. And then it branched off in so many different ways. I had to admit to myself I didn't like a lot of mm. the hip-hop I was hearing. Yeah. And then it was just like, yeah, like the that, the whole Backpacker era was like, it's got to be true hip-hop. Mm-hmm. You know, anything that deviates from the four elements that, it, you know, whatever. It did get a little weird, though. Yeah, I mean, the Puffy... Like I didn't, uh, I didn't really suit. like. I didn't like that. Like that shit really was offensive to me. It was, it just offended my hip hop sensibilities. Yeah. I was like, this, I don't like that. I don't yeah. want the flashiness, even though, and I probably blocked this from my head somehow. Gold but, chains and fucking yeah, like rock him and, and yeah. slick Rick. Like one of my favorite MCs of all time. He's just totally blinged out. No one's been as blinged out as <laughs> totally. as, as slick Rick. Or even like were those Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five out. Like that was some crazy ass covers that they but, would have. That, that I, love, like, I love mainstream rap, bro. I love it. But, like, watching them fucking, like, in that floating room in the shiny suits really fucked me up. <laughs> I remember watching that shit in my auntie's, me and my cousin Mark, watching that shit in my auntie's house. And I was like, I like and I'm, like, I wasn't in, I'm, I've never been, like, a true school dude, you know? But that's the point where I'm like, I'm going to fucking, I like this Wu-Tang song over yeah. that shit, you know? It was raw versus... Pretty mm-hmm. at that point, like yeah. I think, and I, I liked raw hip hop. I just liked the raw sounds. I, the I wanted shit it to was be, silly, man. They're yeah. in, a, you know, those air rooms that you know they blows the air up and you float, and they're in fucking 
shiny red suits. That's not right. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, you, uh, you seem to be more visually based. I wasn't, <laughs> I didn't really think about all that. But. I, I liked it when they were in the desert or Puffy and Mace could drop it off in the desert and the Arab suits are like, was that Puff Daddy? I thought it was hilarious. See, that's, uh, that's just silly. I guess I, I, I like the sense of it. I don't know, but I I thought like you would like both. I was weird, though. But I never, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's a, I think that was a problem, was too many people would, like, uh, it went both ways. I think a lot of, like, mainstream rap fans would, like, shit on anything, like, on Anacon or something. Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of a lot of Anacon, you know, it was, like, what... I'm think, happy we're in an era now where there was like, a you story, can like everything. There was a story, because um, Hello Nasty was the name of the Beastie Boys record, because Nasty was their publicity Oh, yeah, Nasty agency. Little Man. Yeah, yeah, Nasty Little Man. Mm-hmm. And they did my personal journals album. Nice. So that was my... I guess Mike D, or one of the members of Beastie Boys, I think it was Mike D, though, had like had heard the stuff. Yeah. That we were doing, which was more of experimental, not... Ver- yeah. You know, I'd although love, we were, like, founded in hip-hop, so like, we... Yeah pushed it in different ways and he listened to it and like shook his head was like this ain't hip hop like all upset <laughs> wow and like when I heard that there's like the 12 year old in me just killed himself right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I have like this dead like little boy inside of my b- body right now that I I carry with me it's like dead weight <laughs> at all times like Mike people D's wonder like how I got so fat it's like <laughs> I cannot like shed that weight this 12 year old boy is dead but um well you know it like was a kind of it was pretty abstract and I feel a lot of people you know I had friends like being a lot of my friends like me and my girlfriend actually listened to it personally a ton we were in school she was actually from Boston mm-hmm. she, was, she was like the biggest you know she bought it at with Newberry Records and she was yeah. like came back and she's like you have to hear this and we really dug it but like you know you have friends that were like same thing you know it's like the it, it's not you know, like black guys from the hood, like rhyming about, you know, the trap and how they got the. Well, it was whatever the trap was in like you know two thousand one or two thousand. There was no trap. Two thousand two. So I've been just, I've been fighting that my whole life. That's yeah. that's been the stream that I've been swimming against my whole life, mm-hmm. and I understand it, and I even respect it because people yeah. tell me if they say it's not hip hop, I'm in no position to argue with them. Yeah. All I can tell them is that I grew up on hip hop. That's how I learned how to do this, and I've always been—I've always felt the need to contribute to hip hop in my own way. Mm-hmm. So if it doesn't sound like anything you heard before, as long as as like, if but it's, that's it's, tight. Well, hellfire. Yeah, if you tell me it sounds extent, whack, like, that's a problem. We have a problem. Like if you has, hate it for aesthetic reasons, I don't know. Don't you think hellfire to a certain extent? Like some people are like, you know, I've heard I played Mike first, you know, or Milo, and they're like, or bus driver. You know, people did like not. But and Buzz Driver pushes it in a whole other yeah, totally. like that's not what you think hip hop's gonna sound totally. like, and then he does it in that way, and yeah. he makes it his own. You know, yeah. that's that's what you have to do. Yeah, I just remember going to like Project Blow for the first time, or even going to Scribble Jam, and because the shit that I was doing or me and my homies were doing was not what everyone else was doing, then we weren't like not that it wasn't hip hop, but it wasn't like dope, you know, stylistically mm-hmm. because it's not. Cause it's not like it doesn't, you know, you guys aren't rapping all staccato and fast or whatever. Then you're not dope or, or whatnot. Um, I don't know. When it, I like I like to think about what Soldier Soldier Boy said. It's the best shit ever. Somebody, he, nah, for real. See, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm okay with Soldier Boy. Somebody said, uh, say, you know, he he he's an arrogant fuck, and he he and this is the best fucking reply he to some that shit. Out, Soldier Boy. He said, uh, you know, they, these guys said that I don't make hip hop, and I listen to my music, and I was like, and I listen to their music. And I was like, well, if that's hip-hop, then I guess I'm not hip-hop. He was just like, I, I guess I'm not. Fuck it. Yeah, who cares then, at a certain he, point? And then he fucking, you know, fucking got on this golden skateboard <laughs> and, like, fucking, you know, like... I'd... And soared off with his arms <laughs> outstretched into the wind. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> that's the attitude I have, because 
hip hop has been around long enough. It, it can't always sound the same, and it probably has evolved into something new. And we're always using the word hip hop because mm-hmm. we don't know. Like, yeah. but there's a we billion talk, subgenres totally. of it. We talk about like I was like I was like talking about Young Thug the other day, and it's like if you heard Young Thug and you played Young Thug like to like someone that grew up on Wu Tang, you'd be like that is clearly not hip hop because it is a completely different thing that it was. Mm-hmm. And it, that's I mean I think it's actually the best it's ever been because now it can probably support like. 10 different types of it like and mm-hmm. they don't necessarily have to be at war although to be on i mean i think on some level a creative tension is probably important like you shouldn't as an artist you probably shouldn't like every type of something no no, no. i think as an artist you're gonna have to you know i think as an artist it's like being a chef you know or something so you gotta yeah. be like i i know how to cook all this shit and i don't cook it i i, I just do pastries but i understand all this shit you know what i'm saying yeah. i think as an artist is important but that's just what i think you know but uh liking it or whatnot, I think it. I think it's really hard to like shit when you're an artist. Like, like totally. you have to really learn, like, learn not to. Especially when you learn how to do something your your own way. I I had to learn not to like you know call other shit wrong just because I was becoming the dude that like that I used to hate when I was younger. You know, I I had to do that as well. I had to move away from that. Mm-hmm. I got I got in that period in the in nine, when I had my radio show. Mm. Sadly enough, so a lot you had of a radio show. Recorded. Yeah, that's right. From '97 until 2000, '97, '98, '99 is when I had my radio show. And this is mm. in Providence. And yeah, actually at the University of Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. You're a hyper and, busy dude, bro. <clears throat> you had a radio yeah. show. You're doing spoken word. The battles. You're doing the battles. I graduated college. You too. Graduated. And when college. did you start doing? I just then? didn't party. <laughs> that, I didn't party, so I had time for everything else. That's yeah, that's yeah. basically what but it boils the, down. To. But the art was your party, though. That's, yeah, that's yeah. where you met people. That's where you, yeah. made, you know. And I was part of the social activist groups. So it was, I just growing up by myself without many people that were interesting to me. Once I got to college, so, I wanted to be part of everything. I yeah. want like I I lived in the dorms for three years because mm. I wanted to be around people. Mm. Like people were so anxious to get away from the dorms, and I I didn't understand it. I was like, "Well, we're finally around like people our own age. We're doing interesting stuff. Why? Mm-hmm. Why not?" It's just like weird for me to think about because now I always need to be by myself. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't remember that person why I felt that way. Mm-hmm. I, I like I guess I. It makes sense, but like I wish I could feel that again to like really get excited about being around other people, living like around people I can talk to and stuff. Do you think like being a performer and having to deal with people in these like mass these loads at a time? Do you think that's like it makes it, you know, you like how many people were you in front of and his hands did you shake last night? You yeah, know? I mean, probably like a hundred, right? Well, more than that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was we sold we sold out Troubadour. It's five hundred, mm-hmm. and unless they left before I got to him, I hugged and shook hands with everybody in that building. Exactly. I do that at the end of every show until people leave. But yeah, I mean, I get my fill there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not those aren't like fulfilling conversations. I'm not like really getting in with anybody. It's just very brief hug. Mm-hmm. That's it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so then, so you're doing. So when did you start doing the like the scribble jam battle stuff? Because you won in what 2000, 2002. You won every year. Yeah, except no, for no, the year I, that I won. When, <laughs> when was that? Uh, 2007. Oh yeah, I wasn't. I didn't even. Was that the last? The last uh, one. The last one was 08. Okay. So let's just have the battle part of the episode where I'll just sit here and just kind of drink my agua fresca. No, I, 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 don't, I don't. I don't know that much. I just know you won twice, right? No, I didn't. You I won. won I won 
First, I was I did the Super Bowl battle in Boston, mm-hmm. which no, yeah. people don't really know much about, but that was a big deal for where we it's were a big, at. I went and lost there in like the first <clears throat> round of some rando. <laughs> yeah. But it was like all the people who were active in the New England scene were in that battle. Mm-hmm. And I was, a, I was an unknown at the time. They basically, in fact, they only thought I did spoken word. I don't think they even knew I rapped. Yeah. So the fact that I was in the battle was a novelty. Oh, they knew I had a radio show. Yeah. But the the thing was, I had finally tuned my battle skills from 92 yeah. until then. And that's all, like, I was ready to go at them. And I just yeah. fucking, like, did my best. I ripped through cats. I was like, bam. I was, like, mm-hmm. so happy. And then I, I kind of, like, backed off. I didn't want to focus on battle rap mm-hmm. anymore. But then Scribble Jam became a thing. I was mm-hmm. like, damn, we got to get to Scribble Jam. Like, on a national scale, that's, yeah. that's where you make a name. Yeah. And I went there not really expecting to win because I stopped really. That just wasn't my focus anymore. I wasn't yeah. really in that mode. Yeah. And I, I still feel like I kind of squeaked by that for, in 2000 when I won. I was kind of like I went against Brother Ali, um, thankfully won that one based on one line. You know, it was just yeah. kind of like, you just, like you're lucky sometimes. What was cars, the one line? I said, I said, I said uh, Said, like, like, I said, he had, said he had a Michael Jackson disease. Yeah, the Michael. But, something about oh, like scissor, the like, snowman or some shit. Oh, that was no, that was the next year. That was the next uh, year. Polar bear. I don't know. So just, I battled him two years in a row, which yeah. was unfortunate. But um, it was really just he was really poking away at that fucking at that albino thing. Which, yeah, which is which is really <laughs> it's a cheap, battle. Which it's is a, really cheap battle. Everyone does it, but yeah, like I mean, he told me, he was like, man, he was like. Everyone does that, but you did it really good. So thank you. <laughs> you know, like it was at least That's it was cool. clever. You know, at least someone you said something original. Like everyone always mentions it. And, and who else did you battle in two thousand? Uh, Blueprint and we had him we here. just had it on Blueprint. Yeah, yeah. last week. B- Blueprint was in the final round. Um, this guy named B Gaza, which I don't think was actually B Gaza. They called B Gaza up on stage and this random cat just took his mic and battled me. <laughs> wow. Side. And he was dope. And I don't even know his name. I don't know his real name. I know somebody who He sounded has all like that a footage. blow dude. Like he sounded he had a st- he had the style. <laughs> really? Yeah. Probably was peace. It, it wasn't peace. It wasn't, I knew peace. Peace was peace was peace uh, and like in a disguise. <laughs> no, he, but he was he was dope. Um it was a few rounds. I can't. I can't really remember. But whatever the case, yeah. I I had the Metallica shirt on. I had the wig. Yeah, I, it was theatric, the, dude. It was tight. Yeah, it was. Well, the fun thing was, I didn't want people to know I was Sage Francis. Not that I had a big name at the time, but I don't like when people had material on me. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't want them bringing my personal shit into a battle. So at that time, you could get away with that. Now you can't. The internet's just. It's got everything on it. But yeah. at that time, it wasn't like m- there weren't many pictures of people out there. Um, and yeah, uh, in fact, people who were huge fans of mine had no idea what I looked like, so I was able to get away with that shit. Yeah, and that's how I did it. I wanted to win as Zalzan and you know have my alter ego have his own little career. That, that's that's how I went in it. So you were putting out like like twelve inches at the time, like yeah. Like, we had the non. I was in a. You know, it was called non profit. Yeah. yeah, but this is before Hope came came out, right? This was before Hope. Yeah. The, the the first twelve inch came out in ninety nine. That got love on college radio. You know, we did the interview on Bobito's show. Yeah. That that was big for me. Now, was, Hope's an yeah. amazing record. Um, then we did another twelve inch. The Hope album eventually came out in two thousand four, mm-hmm. but I mean, it came out on a. UK label mm-hmm. and it was a subsidiary of Warp and it became a very convoluted business uh, 
failure. Really? <laughs> I didn't know. I don't know. I don't know. It was, t- it was very, very frustrating dealing with someone who wasn't U.S. based. And I they're always told- on, the, the British are always on vacation. Yes, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> always on holiday. But yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. that's, that's one They call thing. it a fucking holiday. It's a holiday. Yeah. holiday. Like, what does holiday. that even mean? What's I'm sorry, Sage. Holiday? I'm on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> Motherfucker, we work in music. There's no holidays. <laughs> yeah. How did you meet Joe Beats? In college uh-huh. uh, at the radio station. Mm-hmm. Good producer. Um, so, how, and did you look up with the Anacon guys at Scribble Jam, or did you know them before that? They were, um, a couple of them actually are from New England, so we were familiar with mm-hmm. one another from our general I mean, scene. Souls from Maine. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Alias is from Maine. That's right, yeah. He still lives in Maine, I think, too. Yeah. Well, in fact, we just saw him uh, a little while ago. Um, I'm trying to think how, I think some shit talk got kicked up between me and them. Or someone was trying to start beef between me and them. And then they came to the radio show. Like always. Peace yeah, and light. Uh, yeah. uh, we didn't really hit it off all that well at first. I, I got along with Alias right away. Mm-hmm. Soul uh, was a bit abrasive. I probably was abrasive. And I think they saw the kind of the attention I was kicking up from my own music and the support that I was getting doing the mixtapes and yeah. doing the battles and then they realized well we share a lot of the same fans so we might as well yeah yeah we linked up so where then, were you selling most of these mixtapes like mom and pop rock Newberry Comics yeah mainly just through my um, own website uh-huh. which was like before any of this was a big thing yeah. but I told people email me <laughs> what I did was I posted what each thing would cost I said email me Actually, no, I didn't even say that. I said, print this out, circle what you want, leave cash in the envelope, and send it to me. <laughs> and that for a few years, that's how I did it. Really? Uh, people were trusting enough to send me the money, and I sent them the product. And that's how we built the web store that we have now, the Strange Famous Records uh-huh. website. And so we've been like doing the web store stuff since then, yeah. before it was even legit. I mean, that was wow. like... <laughs> that was me doing everything. That was when me did you officially start like Strange Famous? Like 90, 97, 98? Uh, we started using the name in 99. Uh-huh. When I, yeah. Didn't you battle as Strange Famous one time where you had some? Yeah, 2001 at Scribble Jam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was really just for shits and giggles. At that point, like, I totally didn't give a fuck about battles. No one yeah. in my circle did. And yeah. Slug, in fact, I battled Slug at that one. Yeah. He didn't want to battle, and he was like, if you pay me $5, I'll, I'll get in the battle. Yeah. <laughs> so I threw $5, and then we ended up battling each other. That was, like, just coincidence. I didn't but, even realize Slug was battling at that time. Yeah, he did all he did all the early Scribble Jams, too. Right up, that was the last that. one. That was the last one we all did, I think. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so happy that you guys stopped doing it. <laughs> I'm so happy. Just because, like, but the, after music, that, the music at a certain that point, came out of it, you know? Yeah. After that, it got so technically proficient, like... It just was. Well, it you guys were the whole over, other thing. After you, that. you guys were rapping over beats, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they don't rap over beats anymore, right? Oh, not no, but they don't rap over beats anymore. That's but stupid. shortly after, <laughs> I want to say like, I want to say oh four. Once like oh four, there was like a big change. I was at that. I was a judge at that one. Yeah, that's when everybody like, I, I couldn't make it that year. I, w- I went in oh three, but then in oh four, I was doing something else, and uh, I saw the footage. And then even building up, building up to that, because that's the year that Immaculate won, right? Mm-hmm. He beat Swan. Building up in all the local, like California battles, and like we kind of all secretly had written raps for every. And the internet was there, you know, that we all had the internet, and it was like this site that like had every battle, and we like it was like, uh, you know, we're all carrying concealed we- weapons, you know. 
Well, you knew who you were going to battle. We all. I mean, well, you if you if you if you're smart, you know who's going to be top four. You know mm-hmm. who's going to be top eight. Right, right. So we, you know, we just we just secretly just had like right. a good like you f- can't not opener and finale. <laughs> you can't not if you have an idea of who you're going to be battling, you're going to start yeah. thinking of how you're going to go at him anyway. Probably like a dossier yeah. of like yeah, no, for, and <laughs> like the briefcase. Yeah, it, it, after all four, that should be kind of too style. real. It seemed fun, <laughs> more fun. You know, it seemed watching it, like watching like the days of like, uh, not the Rap Olympics, but the one with uh, Idea or like the early Scribble Jams or whatnot. The the Scribble Jams from like 97 to 2001. It just seemed like it's almost like a room full of dudes. And like most of the, most, most of your generation went on to become like rappers and musicians, you know? Yeah. It seemed like a room full of rappers that are just kind of like fucking around. Yeah. And just showing off their talents. Right. Versus like, I want to say like, after 03 because 03 was like when Rhymefest and Swan Swan battled and that was just something else that was just like you know no at 03 I guess that's when it just became like a room full of rappers that are assholes <laughs> that are showing how how much how how much of an asshole they can be you know what I'm saying yeah. like who can who can degrade this guy the most you know and I don't know yeah whatever. yeah I think a fun out. element did did mm. leave at that point Mm-hmm. And I think the focus was a little muddled because it was more of a, it felt like a family event. We'd have the barbecue afterwards. Everyone mm-hmm. knew each other on different levels. And I don't know if that, you ended guys up all happening. traded tapes and enjoyed each other's music yeah. too. I think, I think money, I, it got, cause it got really big. It got, mm-hmm. it was, and the prize, cause I, when I won, I won a thousand dollars. Yeah. The following year, the prize was $10,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I won, it's, it's, it's funny because every time I won a battle, the year later, the, the, the prize would be 10 times that. Because <laughs> I, when I won a screw, when I won the Super Bowl battle, the prize was a hundred dollars. Oh, shit. The following year, a thousand dollars. It was just like, what the fuck's going on? Like, I'm yeah. just like one year too soon. But, yeah. um, and so then personal journals came out. But the time. money, yeah. I think the money got so big that people took it way too seriously so seriously so that's that's kind of what fucked maybe fucked up the vibe but yes personal journals wasn't out yet that's after i won that the thing with anticon got secured they wanted to put it out and it became like the biggest selling you know album on their label and honestly i think it was the most rap sounding stuff on their label because they had like push way left field they were doing Mm -hmm. all different types of stuff yeah i think cloud dead had put out which was they and that wasn't even on anticon that that was released on uh mush mush yeah yeah so um did that then my my touring career kicked off i did a couple tours with atmosphere or one and a half tours with atmosphere and then a thing with anticon and then personal journeys tour started in 2002 no maybe mm-hmm. one because I, I played europe first but my touring was insane from there on out yeah. it just was like playing all around the country all around the world i don't even know how i had time to like write yeah. or record stuff because it just was yeah. mm-hmm. but yeah, I so did I released more mixtapes I released more albums I signed with Epitaph Records Yeah. in 2004 I signed with Epitaph Records uh-huh. so in 2005 Healthy Distrust dropped um, The that's when YouTube became a thing like before that no one gave a shit it was like there was no videos there was yeah. nothing like there's no uh, you know you release a song all you have to worry about is the audio mm-hmm. of it yeah. now unless you have a video attached to a song it almost doesn't count the like, song doesn't does, exist yeah it's not a real song it's, unless you have a video it's like mm-hmm. soundcloud and youtube are like mm-hmm. the main it seems like mm-hmm. well, i also for, we, we kind of overlooked like makeshift patriot which obviously that was that like, and that was uh, thankfully right when napster 
was yeah. at its like, peak. It, yeah. mm-hmm. So the file sharing was a big thing. I didn't have distribution at the time. I did make a name with the battles that I won. So mm. f- people were looking for my, my material, and the only place they could get it was on Napster and on LimeWire. So, mm-hmm. And you know what? Another way we benefited was there wasn't a lot of underground hip-hop on Napster, strangely enough. Mm-hmm. When you look for underground hip-hop, you'd find my material probably. It was a great equalizer. Well, the most stuff was all I could do find. Outside of Arsonist. Cool. It was uh, everything... Everything that's my underground was from Napster, and yeah. you know, because I couldn't, um, I couldn't buy those records out here. I used to be on Audio yeah. Galaxy. That one was right, right, right. Like all of them, well, you were so desperate to find music. Yeah. It was like, so those are, that was a different time. Yeah. It, people think I don't like when people confuse the issue when they say, "Oh, file sharing is great for you," because otherwise people wouldn't have discovered you. Well, there's a difference. Back then, when they song. discovered me, they they supported me when they could. Yeah. And they wanted to buy the record yeah. and they bought the they did and eventually buy the record yeah. when they could get it. Now, yeah. not so much. It's yeah. it's a whole other thing. It's almost like people uh, we uh, the Lowen festival was uh oh, the weekend and we even though we're recording this in the future or just dropping this in the future. Um but it's certain like it's certain groups of people like people that are like like hip to new shit. There's like your old fans or like people from certain areas or, you know, or just, yeah, they're, they're always going to buy stuff. But there's just certain people that are like, I like to hear new things, but I don't like to have them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I like to hear new things. So if you drop a new record, they're like, I'm going to listen to the live stream and I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to tweet about it. I'm probably going to play it on Spotify, but I don't want a piece of it in my life. Like, I don't want the shit like bouncing around in my car. I, and there's yeah. no avoiding that. We're we're going into that territory now. It'll yeah. become a streaming culture, and I understand it. I I know people don't want to clutter their lives with the way my life is cluttered. I have so <laughs> many CDs. I have so much vinyl. But music is such a big part of my life. I can't imagine not owning. I don't owning a physical fucking yeah. Yeah. object that has the record. Yeah. It's just not. It's my my whole life, my whole being. I need that. So now I have to accept because just like I accepted when we went from tapes to CDs, when they but went you, from CDs didn't, to MP3, you didn't accept and, that. You didn't accept that. You didn't. I took. I was slowly accepting. Because <laughs> I, I was super late on like MP3. I like had my CDs super late too. So I like. Yeah. After, yeah. So now we're going to streaming, and people don't want to clutter up their hard drives, and everything's in the cloud. And yeah. you know, but it, it, I'm, I'm skeptical of how that all will pan out. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's actually going a different, different direction than what like the music industry, even suspected. Like, because with the iPod, like the the word the word on the street was that like sooner or later there'll be something that you can store all the music in that you can hold in your hand right the little black box was like the code word for it now it's like fuck the little black box no everything's just floating out there you know what i'm saying and that's even harder harder to control than the little black box um but enough of that (laughs) what year was it when you had the uh american flag with the 50 uh corporations on it oh uh, that was 2005 2004 2005 because when i signed with epitaph records i actually left them when i put it on their wall yeah because <laughs> yeah. that was like me like all right now i'm part of a bigger corporation let me uh make my mark here yeah yeah that was epic yeah that, that was, was i got staging. that from Adbusters. there's a magazine Adbusters. they sold it like i got a couple of them but um uh, at that time i was Man, it's tough to, I have to think of the timelines here, but once 
I did get a bigger name once the the touring was kicking off. I signed with Epitaph. You'd think maybe I'd want to like figure out how to like elevate even higher than that. But I was comfortable there. I didn't really want to go any place bigger. Really? And in fact, I wanted to mess with the system in a way that would probably fuck with my ability to do more than that. Wow. So I, that's why I did the Fuck Clear Channel Tour. Yeah, like, nobody who's that. in a position where I'm at, like, I'm starting to play these big venues, and then I just, I said, fuck it, let's do the Fuck Clear Channel Tour. I don't like what these guys are doing to independently owned venues mm-hmm. around the country. Yeah. And yeah. so we did that, We we and we made it known. Like, I had it, obviously the advertisements were everywhere it was in every paper and every place we played we did i think over 30 shows yeah and um and everybody who worked for clear channel because there were a couple places we played they were like thank you so much for you know doing this. people that work for clear yeah, channel yeah, say that yeah, yeah. they were they just were an awful company and then yeah. they ended up changing their name because it got such a bad name now it's live nation oh live nation mm-hmm. is clear channel yep oh shit so yeah. i was kind of my, my mind was on that, that stuff that's why that flag like it does encapsulate a good era for me where I that was like a lot of the stuff I was thinking about and that's why we helped uh, we developed nomore.org yeah. to help like call out or investigate investigate corporations and stuff when like I was that. younger I didn't really understand I don't think as much as kind of the uh, I'm sorry I'm like uh, say yeah, that again <laughs> alright sorry um, yeah when I was younger I don't think I necessarily understood um, I, 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 I identified with the subversive element but I don't think I understood it necessarily like because now corporate, like I always, I think when I was in college, I was like, yeah, corporations are bad, but like, so what? And now I think like living eight years in the future or nine years in the future. And you're like, oh my, and like, maybe I'm just older, but like a little more aware, or maybe it's just magnified eight, nine years in the future. But it's, it seems pretty prescient because you look around now and it's just like, it's kind of terrifying. You see how much control they take. You see how they everything. change laws. You mm-hmm. see how um, they homogenize territories. Yeah. And, uh, how, and I, you know, how I work they've for become people too. And, you they know, you people. feel... You know, I have a lot of wonderful editors, but, like, I've also had a lot of places that, like, I've seen my salary get cut, like, threefold. Or, like, journalists now make a tenth, like, make, like, roughly half of what they maybe made in 1999, And And where does all that money go once everything gets all cut? Well, Somebody has to keep on, (laughs) well, some CEO has to keep on wanting to make money. Like he's not going to take problem. Like a That's cut. the problem with corporations. Like yeah. the model is, you have to make more money every year, or else you're a failure. You, so yeah. even if you did a really good year, it's a really insecure person. How are we going to make more money this next year? Well, yeah. we're going to have to start cutting some people because they take their mm-hmm. salaries are taken away from our overall profit. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's there's a lot of the economics of of capitalism is. Well, what uh, about something like Iraq? Like you were pretty vociferously opposed, and now you know we're ten years. Yeah. Well, more than 10 years later and now you see something like ISIS coming about and you're like oh well that even if there were any you know it's about to go back to where it was probably yeah um, does it feel validating to kind of you know you, I'm sure you took a lot of heat at the time for yeah, I did. Yeah, outspoken views I mean to come out with pa- makeshift patriot and yeah it was like a month after 9-11 yeah try to get people <clears throat> to think about their situation their surroundings why they're hearing what they're hearing give a little bit of a history but behind you know Osama bin Laden and just journalistic integrity is is being ripped away and our liberties are going to be taken away which they were mm-hmm. and then I followed that up with hey Bobby which was a call against war mm-hmm. it was clear like we weren't entering war yet it hadn't been declared yet but I knew it was going to happen I, yeah. I think the general sense was that yes we're going to be going to war I was so vehemently opposed to that 
and but what can I do beyond just stating it and and make a song that people can get into and like get some of these lines that reoccur in their head and get them thinking about this stuff as an artist as an MC that's what I do and you know I attended protests and I got but I'm not a politician I'm not and I'm not a community organizer yeah I'm I'm a rapper yeah you know so if every time people like ask me what else they're supposed to do I don't know <laughs> like, you know, I made this rap song I mean, this is the end <laughs> there's a proud New England tradition of that you know the throw and you know yeah. person and all the way back. I live, yeah, that's right. I live in the woods. Yeah. In fact, I stopped watching news after a while. Um, I'm, I'm sick of it, like feeling like in, there's impending Powerless. doom at all the yeah. all totally. times. Yeah. So, me, and my, yeah. me and my best friend talk about that all the time because we're, you know, <clears throat> very, we were in the most of the 2000s, we were very like, politically invested. And then you're just like, mm. once Bush got reelected, yeah. I was with B. Dolan. Yeah, and we, because we had fought against that. We're like, mm. this cannot happen. Yeah. You know, we're going to go like, knock on doors and be like if you fucking vote for him we're gonna throw a brick through your window <laughs> nah. no but with the brick thing is true like i think we did consider like that night we were gonna go out and just start throwing bricks everywhere yeah. and then we were like you i'm know glad what? you didn't do that let's do let's <laughs> do no more.org instead which ended up fizzling out i think and i'm not sure if it, it's even around now but we were frustrated we were pissed off we felt deflated and I was just sick of the rock the vote bullshit. Just yeah. everything, everything just started vote to sound like fucking yeah, voter <laughs> die. Everything is like, oh please no. Just, yeah. Why do you think? It just felt so flat and yeah, fucking Eminem empty had, and fake. Eminem had mosh, which was like I think like a noble Holy effort, shit. but like God, I don't even oh, remember that. A, you just blew what is my that? What is that? Wait, wait, wait. Do you remember when Eminem one? had mosh? Was it about he, voting? It was when he dropped Encore, which was easily the worst thing he's ever done, probably. And uh, maybe not. For me, it starts stops with the Marshall it Mathers stops LP. With the last, it stops with, well, yeah, it was a, the, the Eminem show. Stops no, 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 no. I, I don't Eminem like the Eminem fan. show that much either, but fine. Okay. It had some songs <laughs> I like. But yeah, then Encore, and he has the song with like, it was like that Just Lose It song. Yeah. Which is just like awful. And that's like his first single, and then he drops Mosh, and like every like journalist is like, he could really sway the election. <laughs> Oh, it was like a song about how people should mosh against Bush. <laughs> Mo oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Mosh against Bush. I, I, you know, he was trying to do something with his fame, so that's... Yeah, like mm. it was a noble failure, yeah. you know? You can't knock that necessarily. You can knock the execution, but not the idea. But yeah, yeah it. Um, do, I mean, do you still feel like politically engaged or, or less not so as you've gotten much. older? Like what I just yeah. said is truth. Like I stopped. Yeah. yeah. I stopped paying clo very close attention. Mm -hmm. I, I try to stay educated. I try mm -hmm. to stay informed. Whenever I get informed, I start feeling misinformed, mm -hmm. and because there's so I, much information, it must and be hard not from the source. The road from a lot too. Yeah, that is. I mean, honestly, when I started writing and recording for this record yeah. and preparing for the tour, there's so much that's happened in the world that I haven't really like delved into. I don't really understand the topics. I don't talk about them. Totally. Mm. Um, Let's talk about this new record. So it was like a four-year kind of break. Yeah. What were you kind of doing? How much of it was recording? How much of it was just living life? And you know thinking of yeah stories shit. well after the the life record came out in 2010 did the world tour which was a tough tour and my my father passed away while i was on tour then b dolan's father passed away because he was with me uh we were in europe he had to fly home so then i toured australia and new zealand <clears throat> new zealand by myself that's when idea died came home attended that funeral the service and um and when i came home i had already i already knew like i wanted to stop touring at that point mm -hmm. i was like it wasn't because of that that just re re what do you call it uh 
reinforced my idea that this is taking too much away from my personal life. I have to start. I don't feel something. like a human being. Yeah, I'm just working all the time. I'm yeah. a soldier of the road, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, and I have no family to go home to. Yeah. I, I, and I'm I'm not happy in general. Why? I blame it on the life I've lived for the past 15 years. So I said, all right, I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a break. I'm not. I don't want to tour anymore. I'm, I'm, I want to make music, but I don't want to. I don't want to rely on touring in order to live. Mm-hmm. So. I spent that first year, I think I didn't even write or record, which is the first time in my whole life I didn't do any artistic, like creative uh, expression. It just was me working at the label. The Strange Famous was my thing that I needed to get, because I knew I wanted to release my own record. I had to straighten out the label, make sure everything was totally in line, Mm -hmm. get all the ducks in a line. And... This is tough to explain with the timelines, but the, uh, I was with somebody for six years, mm-hmm. and she went back to school, graduated, and then wanted to move to New York mm-hmm. to pursue her career, and oh, I couldn't no. do it. Oh no! Did you I ever think like, about going to New York at like any point? Because obviously that was like the yeah. The time, like, I did. I mean, I in '96 I moved to New York, and I was just dumb. I didn't know anything, and I ended up coming home after a month because I wow. was broke and couldn't. Because you cost an arm and a leg yeah. to fucking sleep in a closet up there. Then, yeah, then in 99, I lived there for six months. I lived in Brooklyn for six months, and I was right before all the other shit kicked mm-hmm. off for me. But Because, um, yeah, you think New York. You have to go to New York. Totally. That's the mecca of hip-hop. You know, that's where all the shit's popping off. But really, once the internet like became a thing, that most of the business happens online. You don't have to actually be in a metropolitan area. Totally. And that's how I was making money because people were sending me their cash. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to be in New York for that. I'm home. I'm sending yeah. them my stuff. I'm making my music at home. I'm mailing people my material from home. And I scored some distribution deals. So my stuff was getting in stores at that point. Yeah. So, but yeah, back to that. In 2011, I think that was when everything was fizzling out between me and the person I was hoping like to develop a life with. It just there was no promises. You never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'd been through enough relationships in my time. You know, I I've had at least five long-term relationships. And I've it felt awful. I felt very depressed. I felt fucked up for a very long time cuz I knew like I still loved this person, but I knew we couldn't make it work. Mm-hmm. Because I knew she had her passion. Like, there's no way I'm going to stop her from doing that. And there's also no way I'm going to stop doing that. You'd be a dick if you, like, smothered her flame. Right. And then she would probably... And I've... Because I've done that before. Like, yeah. thankfully, I've learned that lesson. I wasn't going to repeat it. Yeah. Like, no, you have to live here. This is where my base is. This is where all our stuff is. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if, if my life was together enough, I probably could have got up and moved to New York. But really, like, things weren't right with me. So I focused on that, and I think I fell down a bad, like, spiral. And eventually, I actually went to South Africa at the end of 2011 to work with uh, HIV-infected kids and just being exposed to the conditions they live under, realizing, man, there's problems I don't even know how to, like, begin to approach. Yeah. You know, but I'm, I'm happy I was able to, like, provide them some... Because this is the first time I was around people, really, like mm-hmm. in a community of people for, in were a you, long time. Were you in Johannesburg? Or? Uh, no, I was in Durban. Oh, well. Yeah. Um, Isn't that like a UN like big thing there? Or am I, I might be. I don't know. 
In regard to what? I don't know. There was, I think, uh, I'm getting confused with there was a, like a double conference Dutch conference in Durban once, but that's where I'm going. Yeah, uh, let's continue. Well, Johannesburg is, is, is yeah. more of a tourist spot, but they have, like, because oh. that's where everyone's like, go to Johannesburg, go to Johannesburg. I heard Cape I was Town like, is I actually amazing. Cape Town, yeah, Cape yeah. Town. Yeah. But I'll be, I'll be going back this December. Whatever the case, that was the first time I wrote again. I started writing and recording. Like, I did a song for the kids that I was working with, and that... The song is called Ubuntu, so we raised money just to help out their like particular situation with medical needs and with the house that they live in, and that was like that got me back in the swing of things, like just like to be creative again and let things out, not not hold everything in. So then I started doing features on other people's records. I did so many features that by the end of that year, I didn't have enough material for my own record. <laughs> but like, at least I was getting the wheels spinning, you know, because I really didn't know what it, where I was going to go with everything. And that's then, technically how, like, let's say you were a new artist, like, and you had like a manager, and they'd be like, "All right, we got to get you some features." You know, yeah. that's how how it you naturally just kind of did what it takes to yeah. get back into the swing. You know, yeah, no regrets really, because I'm glad I took the time it took in order for Copper Gone to get made. Because once I let those initial things out of me I had to dig deeper for some other material mm-hmm. and that's what Copper Gone became it's, it's just a very hard hitting record it hits the face it hits the gut mm-hmm. hits the nuts it's like boom mm-hmm. fuck you I think you got a Vonnegut song too yeah, yeah yeah and the people I work with I wouldn't have been able to make Copper Gone in a year I like over the course of many years is when I acquired these beats from people. Mm-hmm. I had to sift through a lot of stuff. Some of them came from remix contests we throw at Strange Famous Records. Because every year or so, we'll do a remix contest. We get over 100 submissions, and sometimes the beat is too dope to like just use it on a remix contest. So yeah. I'll, I'll hit up the producer and be like, yo, I really like this beat. I was like, can you want to try to work with me on like making it a real song? Yeah. So we did that with... Um, a song called Over Under, which is on Copper Gone, and a song called Say Uncle. And I think that might be it. But the uh, a lot of the other producers I did meet through remix contests. So just staying active with Strange Famous is, was important for the fruition of, of Copper Gone. So yeah, started recording it last year. Oh man, yeah, a little bit because I, I wanted to have it out by the end of last year. And then I realized... I'm not going to be able to get it done in time. So I released the the, the Sick to Death mixtape just to hold people over, uh, which is the continuation of the mixtape series that's just gone on since 99. And it was like, again, that was good. It, got, it let me get out because I put new songs on there, but they weren't album quality yet. Mm-hmm. People are like, why isn't this on the record? I'm like, nah, the record has to be bigger and better and stronger than this. Yeah. But for now... Like, I'm glad you like this, but I'm working on something that has much more punch, something bigger. So <laughs> I went to Australia for a short tour, came home with pneumonia. Whoa. I couldn't walk. I, I skipped the holidays. I was just stuck in the house by myself. When were you in Australia? Was it uh, the right winter? To, right before, yeah, right. Well, it was their, their summer. Win- oh, their their summer? summer. So I hopped from our winter to their summer back to our winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, then that's where the Might, pneumonia came from. Yeah. Yeah. Might have. I don't know. I... I had to go to the hospital on Christmas Eve. I had tests done. I had that happen to me once on Christmas Eve too. Really? Pneumonia. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's the emergency room. It's yep. a nightmare. Yeah. No. Well, I, first I went to urgent care, and they told me to go to the emergency room. I was like, I'm sorry, but mm. I don't have health care. Oh, wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna soldier through this. Just tell me what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And she, she was all worried because I have a song on the new record where I explain this. She was like, she called me on Christmas, even though she she wasn't obligated to, but mm-hmm. this doctor was like really concerned I was gonna die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and I, I was like, yeah. I'm just chilling. I'm like, I'm like, I can't get up and do nothing, but I'm all right. I'm gonna get through this. I got pneumonia, and tell me if this is a feeling <laughs> that you had. You know how bubble wrap feels when you twist it in your mm-hmm. hands. Is that how it felt when Wait, you breathe? Yeah. Like that bug. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pop. I feel like you were going to yeah, die. Yeah. I felt like I was going to die. Because like, I, I, as- I have asthma. Okay. It, 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 it's not all the time, but some. I think if I, I'm allergic to something, I start, like, if you breathe, you get those crackles mm-hmm. and shit like that. But it was more painful than anything. And rec- really? I had to record under that condition because, like, I already, the tour was already getting booked. Mm-hmm. And all this stuff, all my business stuff was in line. I was like, I have to record this record now. So, like, I did, I recorded it all in my house. Originally, I was going to record it at a studio, but I couldn't get out. So I just recorded it all in the house. I fought through the pain, which was fine. I think like it pushed me to like I just have a harder delivery than I normally have, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, and then I started. There was a billion things happening at once. Obviously, since we were re- releasing the record independently, I had to get my business in line with Strange Famous Records. We switched distributors. We used to work with Revolver. Now we work with Red Eye, which was thankfully we made that move because like the stuff that's happening now i never like experienced with the other distributor so that was a smart business move i was sick of fucking making mistakes along the line like learning the hard way every single year is it really starts to beat you down Mm -hmm. um what are the most valuable to start interrupt you but what was the most valuable thing you've learned about that kind of whole because i know on what end of just on the business end of it like that you learn what were the mistakes that you learned from that stand out well in that in that regard, I had stuck with Revolver because I was with them, and it just was like a, a habit thing. I'm like, all right, I just work with them. That's mm-hmm. it. There's nothing else. They're the first people that approach me. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I had. I like a, them because they like me. But then I got the <laughs> sense they didn't like me, and oh, I was shit. like, well, fuck you. Let me see what else is out there. Mm-hmm. That's when 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 I started getting the sense from people like they start taking me for granted. Mm-hmm. They know how much work I do, which they don't like. It takes away from so they what don't they have, have to do. Yeah. And then I'm like. If I'm doing something, you should be doing something. Mm. You have a, you have your own skill sets. How about you fucking put that into action? Mm. Um, so, yeah. And then, I mean, nothing real. Honestly, nothing against Revolver because I'd worked with them for so long. But I did get the sense my main guy there left. Oh, and switching labels because working with Epitaph since 2004. So that had been a long time where I was with one label and now I'm not. Yeah. So everything was scary. Like I'm going into this kind of with a clean slate and it's a whole new world. It's not like when I first started releasing music. The industry is different. It changes every year. It's been many years since I first did it. Mm. I started publicity is different like there's no more magazines we used to like go to the store I pick up a magazine and they'd have an article or an interview with me or a review it's not like that anymore most albums don't even and it would sit for a month though yeah now you can get an article in an interview and that is from coffee to lunch yeah Yeah. and then there's another one not even like sometimes there's another one and there's another one you know it's different Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, figuring all that out I'm so salty all right (laughs) <laughs> Figuring out video stuff Video's big Wasn't yeah. when I first started Now I have to actually Put that into my My release plans mm-hmm. yeah. Need the video For this tour Need the video For the first single Need to have yeah. these things ready They take two months to make Or yeah. three months Like fuck mm-hmm. So I stressed about that Crazy hard And then doing the Artwork for the record Was also it's own thing Cause I I 
this is the old school part of me. Like mm. I still think in terms of packaging. I mm. like for everything to work together. That's but that still works. Yeah, that still well, is very important. Well, that's you know you like you sold out the show last night. You, I think yeah. there is going to always be that diehard contingent of people that w- it will matter more to than like they're not going to be the casual consumer. Yeah, I, I can only hope. I just don't expect it. That's yeah. all. I, I think about but I think patch thinking about patch packing is just very important because uh so on our label uh you know the, the this kid Milo has like you know the same idea that all the comic book companies has really which is just like all right there's four different formats that this record can come out of this mm-hmm. comic book can come out each of them needed different art each of them needed a different piece that comes with it each of them and so you don't you know sell like you know like 10,000 copies of this one thing but you might sell you know a few thousand copies of each of these things and then this one little rare piece will just get bought up for 20 times what it's worth because you sell it for that much you know yeah yeah I mean all that stuff is real is real nowadays you know and packaging is you know that's the best marketing yeah well I don't I don't try to do anything too marketing sneaky with my packaging because that's that does work those techniques work Mm. like these are rare Mm. These are the normal. Here's a new color. Mm. Like, yeah, for our vinyl, we actually did that different colored vinyl and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But having a solid artwork uh, layout design for the mm. whole thing, mm. most people don't do that anymore because physical just is not as important mm-hmm. anymore. Digital is where most people are getting it or streaming. Mm-hmm. So all they see is the one square image. They don't see yeah. the full shebang. There's like mm-hmm. the whole layout of it opening that up and seeing how everything works together and the smell mm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not there no more so um, but I still stress it and the people I worked with are people I've been working with for the past 10 years and we all went in mm-hmm. like hardcore we fucking did laser engraving on copper plates and we made uh, cliches out of them and uh, printed took pictures of the uh, copper oxidized shit and where did the title come from? The well, it was done in Croatia, and the person who did it, Irina, um, worked it all out. But mm-hmm. we we oh, and the person who did the illustration, her name's Inky Mole. She's from London, and she's an amazing artist. Mm-hmm. But we all worked in conjunction. Same thing. We did the same thing with the Human, the Death Dance album mm-hmm. cover and other other stuff. But yeah, between me, her, and the other woman, we were like different time zones but up all day and night our own in our yeah. own way mm-hmm. and we did that for a f- at least a month it was like crazy going at it while I was mastering the record with Daddy Kev we had mm-hmm. to do like multiple versions because I was freaking out like mm-hmm. no no this is too bassy no that's not you know <laughs> Kev's dealing with that all the time yeah he's, yeah he's 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 mastering every every record that I've I've listened to for the, that's come out of LA he's He's done it. Got a good sound. Yeah. Shit fucking bumps. It's, it's like probably the hardest sounding record I've ever done. Mm-hmm. So how long are you on tour for right now? Uh, a month. Uh, we've been on the road for a month, I think, mm-hmm. maybe a little under. But we did, we've done sixteen shows, so we have fourteen more to do uh-huh. in the U.S. And, and then, then I'm head- heading to Europe after that. Cool. And like, what do you? What's the best way to for people to kind of get at you? Twitter or fa- yeah, what, Twitter. Um, Twitter at um, Sage Francis uh, Facebook Sage Francis 
our website has everything. Is that the best way? Because I always ask this. Like, it's tough to say. What? It depends where people yeah. are active. I mean, totally. if you're active, uh, no matter what social network you're on, I'm on there. If they're going to buy the record, what's what's the way for you to get the most money? We always ask that. I always ask that. You always I, ask that. I always ask that because I want everyone to like get paid more. So like iTunes, like Steve Jobs or his Steve ghost Jobs doesn't get dead. more money. The rule. Dr. Dre doesn't get more money. Yeah, the rule <laughs> usually if you if you can buy directly from the artist, uh-huh. if the if they are offering it on their website, yeah. get it at their website because we offer yeah. the CD vinyl and digital. Mm-hmm. So if you get digital from us, all the money, all the profit oh, goes boy. to us. Or Bandcamp is the second best option mm-hmm. because they don't take as much They're of a sweet. cut yeah. as iTunes. But at the same time, uh, if you get it at a store or at iTunes, mm-hmm. that contributes to the overall economy of music. Sense that, yeah, sense yeah. that, okay, this is a relevant artist. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. I've steered people away from iTunes. I've steered them away yeah. from because I'm like, no, buy it from us. We get all the money. Yeah. Like that's good. But now we hit like number five on iTunes, and then when people see that you're there, they then they buy the record. Yeah, yeah. That's it, weird. It's, it's just a weird psychological. And they're proud too. Yeah. You guys, you guys hit your fans five. are more yeah, proud when that awesome. happens. And we yeah we hit the Billboard top two hundred. So then people see you're being successful, and they're like. Cool. Now I'm gonna support. Yeah, <laughs> I like. It's such a psychological yeah, fucking weird, weird thing. In casino, dude, the chick Ginger, man, she had it all worked out. You know, just put more money in other people's hands, and you'll they'll treat you good. You know mm-hmm, what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. I, so sometimes, I, sometimes, <laughs> unless it's an Be asshole. Careful. You know, unless it's an asshole. But I, I, I think iTunes isn't that bad. I don't mind giving oh. iTunes. Somebody. I don't know why they take such a big cut though. I mean, it's like forty percent of a sale. It's it's, it's insane. They're a Bay Area company, you know. They're used to paying those fucking crazy tolls on the bridges, you know. That's yeah. that's what it is. It's just yeah. they're like, look, they're fucking raping us at the bridge. I'm gonna rape. I wonder you. who's making all the money at South by Southwest. That's um, Samsung. Yeah, Doritos, Locos, Tacos. Doritos, Locos. <laughs> no, is, is anyone money. making any? Who? They're spending money to advertise there. Totally. I want to know where all the money's yeah, going. Someone, it's going not to the artist. It's, it's, it's going. <laughs> the artists pay to play yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. They'll, they, they'll give you not the writer. They'll give you like hundred thirty dollars. I try. That's why I stopped covering. I was like, I'm not going to pay to go to South by Southwest yeah. to cover it. Like everyone or, pays or break even. And I'm like, like I'm not. wait a second. Everyone pays. Artists even pay to perform. The interns. Like, they don't even pay a lot of their workers. They're volunteers. Yeah, they're, all volunteers. they're all volunteers. That's why they're fucking incompetent. <laughs> well, so this well, is something this that's out. still on my mind because yeah. I, I feel like every time I do it, I'm, I, I was duped. I'm like, why did I fall for this again? Someone's <laughs> making a $2 billion off do this you feel, festival. Do you feel dirty when you play South By? Do you feel dirty? <laughs> I just feel, no, yeah, like, you were at a... I had to stop going. <laughs> I was like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be part of the problem. I don't know <laughs> what it's worth is at this point. It's, it's gotten so insane. Totally. There's nothing. It's funny too. I interviewed Veruca. Sorry, to I interviewed Veruca Salt like recently, and yeah. they were talking about the 1993 like South by Southwest, and they're like, "That was our breakout show." And I was like, "Ha! Times have changed." Uh, yeah. They're like, "Yeah, we got all these label deals." Yeah, like, who's breaking out of South by Southwest? They're like Jimmy, I've been trying to take a shopping. <laughs> like, I right. saw uh, uh, Erica Erica Badu at South by Southwest this year, and it was funny because it was a Samsung event, and so where I'm at in the LA underground, there's like uh, there's dudes that are like. That you know, I used to rap in cyphers with that are like fucking really powerful A and R's at fucking Interscope and shit like that. So I got one buddy that's one of those dudes, and he's just like, "Oh yeah, man, I'll you know get you into this show for free, you know, and, and you know, you know, get you some free cabassier and all that shit, you know, whatever." We go hang out. So everybody's got a nice haircut, and you know, there's all these super bad like Model S bras walking around. South by Southwest. This is at South by. That sounds grotesque. And it was a Samsung event. 
and like before like you know when you get to the, do that dance where you get to the door oh, and they like can't find your name on the list right oh, and they're right. just scanning it and they're like you're shit until they find that name then they're just like oh Mr. McCall haha this is the joke that I you know would tell the guest number fucking 42 you're guest number 42 here's a joke smile we're friends now so I walk upstairs 42 yeah uh, and uh, Erica Badu's there. This is my fucking the best part of South by Southwest. So she wasn't there. We actually waited around with, with her for about an hour. And I'm like, I know in my heart of hearts that she doesn't give a fuck about being here at all. Like, so I'm just sitting, sitting back, like watching this moment. And then she gets up there, and like they're like, all right, Samsung wants to toast Erica Badu for all of her work in music. And then the chick, you know, brings her a glass of uh, wine. And then she's like, I don't drink wine. And then. <laughs> And then, uh, uh, and then the chick asks her, "What do you drink?" And then she says, "Semen." And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then but you can get me a water. And then <laughs> that's what South by Southwest is for. Little moments like that. Fuck music. I didn't. I, I didn't. All I don't right. even think she played. I think let's end on that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, cool. hey, yo, thanks for coming through, though. Thanks for having me. It, yeah. Respect. Respect. respect.